Hi, and welcome back to At the Devil's Ball, where we talk about horror and horror-related movies in a positive, constructive manner. I'm Samuel Numine, and with me, as always, is my co-host and founder of The Feast, Nathaniel Johnson. How you doing, man? I'm doing okay. Hanging in there. Yep. So we got a comic book month went pretty good, I think. Um, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And we got a, some more fun schedule for this month, where we're doing kind of angels and demons or heaven and hell or yeah, very, afterlife kind of very, very interesting and, and philosophical films you've chosen this this uh this month yeah well, thank sure. you hopefully there'll be a lot of fun to talk about i mean and they're not like they're not like you have to go to a class to do it either which is nice <laughs> no no in fact in fact if you did it'd probably help become, if you didn't <laughs> yeah they they become worse i think but yeah right. um but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting group of films uh, this month for sure. And uh, they right. definitely uh, are dealing Possibly. with life and death kind of thing. Yeah. Right. And then hopefully at the end of the month, we'll get a guest that I've been chasing around for a little while and we'll have fun yeah. with that too. Um, but for starters, we're going to start off with uh, The Prophecy, which was kind of, ironically, I always kind of thought of this as like the same kind of movie as Highlander. And then I was doing the the looking into this film and i'm like oh it was the guy that came up with highlander yeah <laughs> um that makes sense yeah makes a lot of sense all of a sudden all the pieces fell into place absolutely which with with how much highlander stuff they did and how much they did i think uh five of these movies i'm surprised they never actually tried to do like a crossover or anything this is a movie that the the, the prophecy in general um keep has been talked about a lot in terms of crossover like there's right. it fits in with so much stuff and that's well yeah there's the obvious hellraiser i think they've, there's been some fan films of those as yes. far as i can tell yeah yeah and um yeah and that was that was talked about at one point uh and actually we'll talk about that a little bit i think uh because i wanted to bring it up that uh the last two prophecy films were filmed mm -hmm. right after the hellraiser and hellseeker yeah uh i think it was just debtor because um uh they like shot in like prague or something right they went and did hellraiser for whatever somehow like i guess dimension might have had like a tax rebate or something yeah. uh where they took they took carrie Warrer and doug bradley over to like prague and shot hellraiser debtor which was a screenplay that had nothing to do with hellraiser and oh then, no it was, it was it was a debtor and uh, hell world they shot like together i think yeah I think so. I think Hellworld yeah. was shot somewhere somewhere around the same time. But um, right. what's interesting is that if, if you watch, um, is that what happens? They went over to do Debtor, and then they basically just asked Carrie Warrer and Doug Bradley to stick around for another couple of right. weeks and shot Prophecy 4 and 5 yeah. with them. Um, and if you watch them in a row, you'll see that's like the same locations and everything. Yeah. Like it was just like this, and it was like run down. Eastern European, and it got a, they actually was, got a lot of uh, production value out of it. Yeah, actually. I mean, I, like, I actually like most of those films. Um, you know, the problem with Prophecy Four and Five is there's no, you know, Christopher Walken. But other than that, they're perfectly fine, forgettable movies. They're very forgettable. Movies. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I was going to say like we should cover those someday. And I would no, we have no business covering those. Uh, they're, <laughs> right. they're pretty terrible, actually. But they they're like um, they were watchable. But they yeah. were, um, but they're awfully forgettable to the point where I realized there were four and five. I was thinking about this right. last night. I uh, and I was thinking about the prophecy last night. And I was like, oh, that's right. There were two of those movies because I watched I watched all five in a row back at the end of this summer. I, right. uh, I for whatever reason I was at work and I randomly thought of the prophecy 
and found out they were all on HBO Max at the time. And I said, right. you know what I'm going to do my next night off? I'm getting up like a bottle of whiskey and I'm sitting mm-hmm. down watching all five of these movies and I regretted it. Um, right. I watched all five. But not the whiskey. You didn't no, the whiskey, the, whiskey. Was, the whiskey was the only thing good about the whole scenario. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I watched, but I watched all five in a row. And um, I think I had never seen four and five at that point. And I watched them. Right. And I was like, wow. And I, to this day, I don't know if it's the films or if it was the whiskey, but I can't tell you anything mm-hmm. about those movies other than Kerry Wurr and Doug Bradley were in right. them and they were shot right after dinner. Um, I'd have to watch. I'd have to watch them again. I don't think I owned. I have, I have the five pack now that like, you know, Mill Creek or somebody put out of their, yeah. you know, bad transfers, but at least yeah. they're all together. But I, other than that, I don't think I'd watched them since they four and five and came out, yeah. you know, yeah. I think I might've had them on DVD. I bought it for two bucks at Hollywood video or blockbuster or some, some nonsense, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Both, um, both prophecy and Hellraiser have like, uh, DVDs out now where you can get like six movies and it's like two discs and they're like right. sided and they're terrible. And this one, this one, the prophecy one is weird because um, it's got the prophecy one and like three, four, and five on one disc. And then it's got the prophecy two on its own disc. Yeah. I'm like, what are you, what are you I, doing, I, man? I have no idea. <laughs> but anyway, speaking of bad transfers, um, a little right. word to the wise I found out uh, when seeking out prophecy. Um, on streaming to watch it because I actually don't have a copy. Um, there is a co- there is a one on I think it's Peacock. Do not right. watch the one on Peacock. The ratio the aspect ratio is terrible. It's this tiny little square in the middle of the screen. Oh, I don't really? know what the hell is going on. But then I I mm. literally was watching the, watching it going what the hell is this? I was like okay well help me out Tubi and Tubi it's on there right. and it has a letterbox version. Yeah so, I was gonna say because it was shot two thirty five. I mean. Yeah. If you must have, watch, they must have had a master that was like you know made for like showing up a sci-fi channel or some some nonsense on Peacock. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, uh, but whatever reason it was like, I, I changed it to Tubi, and uh, that was that one's fine. So if you're gonna watch the prophecy on streaming. It's not on Max right now, right? But it is on Tubi. You can watch it there. That's better. But uh, right. but yeah, those are really really and, really crap. And the Blu-rays are pretty good. They're they're in the right aspect ratio and. Yeah. They're not, you know, you could tell that they just kind of like, you know, upscaled the the DVD if at best, but it's it's fine. It's not a movie yeah. that was shot on 75 millimeter to begin with. And it's not exactly a movie that you need a, you know, beautiful. Right. You know, it's 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 visually interesting, but it's all performance. You know, right. there's not a lot of actual um, bells and whistles in terms of uh, cinematography. Uh, no. It's it's very much an actor's film. Which I think we'll speaking talk. of performances, so let's uh let's get into the vitals. That's you right, know. we're supposed to vitals. Um, yep. yeah, uh, it was uh, so the prophecy was made in uh, 1995. It was directed, written, and directed by Gregory Wyden, who, as Sam noted, was uh, the writer of the uh, Highlander stuff. Um, uh, one of his his only directorial film. Yep. Uh, he did one episode of Tales from the Crypt, aside from this. Um, and we have quite a cast. In this film, we've got uh, Christopher Walken as Gabriel, Elias Cotius, I think that's how it's pronounced, so. as Thomas Daggett, uh, Virginia Madsen as Catherine, Eric Stoltz as Simon, Vigo Mortensen, uh, kind of stealing the show as Lucifer. Lucifer is always a meaty ass role. Um, and uh, we'll talk about that. I think we're going to do some yeah. contrasting with uh, Constantine on that. Uh, mm-hmm. They're both two very, very interesting versions of Lucifer. We have Amanda Plummer 
um, who, if you were uh, watching movies in the 90s, you will remember Rand Amanda Plummer. If not, you may not remember Amanda Plummer. Um, and then we have Mariah Shining Dove Snyder. You're, of course, referring to uh, her role in So I Married an Axe Murderer, right? Amanda Plummer. Amanda Plummer was in a lot of stuff. <laughs> yes. yes. But uh, but yes, she was in uh, uh, So I Married an Axe Murderer, which is actually a lot of fun. I, have, I haven't seen that movie. That is a great movie. But I really enjoyed it. Uh, probably the only Mike Myers movie I actually enjoy. Yeah. Um, and we have Adam Goldberg as Jerry. And uh, that's kind of it for the main major cast. Uh, oh, wait, no. I'm sorry. I have to mention Steve Hitner. Yes, please. Joseph, uh, uh, who is uh, the actually the only other character other than other than Gabriel, who carries over through Prophecy right. two and three. Um, yeah, Joseph for actually some goddamn to, reason. For some reason, he he ends up being uh, the tie that uh, tie that binds. Right. Um, he's because he's great at this. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a fun it's a fun. It's role. all great character work all around. Did you yeah. know? Him and, guess, uh, yeah, Adam, and him and Adam Goldberg especially like bring like somebody like just you know different notes to it. Yeah, and we also will go out of uh, out and mention uh, J.C. Quinn as Burroughs, who has uh, a scene that I wrote a few notes about because it's so much fun in that <laughs> dumb cliche kind of way. Right. Um, but that's uh, that's it for the major guys. Um, I don't know if you wanted to bring up any any uh, other cat other uh, crew members, but uh, no, I think that was uh, pretty much it. Um, it was weird. This was shot in '93, and then it was shelved until '95, which is oh, okay. you know, if you know anything about Miramax in the '90s, is like they did more yeah. often than not. Mm-hmm. The they buy up films and they sit on them, yeah. and you know. We won't get into the Miramax thing again because we don't need to go into that yeah, this whole was, territory with those people who who were doing Miramax. Yeah, uh, yeah, and this was yeah, this yeah. was Dimension Pictures, which was a, a subset of um, mm-hmm. Miramax, uh, which right. of course run by the by their genre. Yeah, uh, yeah, the Dimension Dimension Films was generally where they stuck uh, their kind of uh, B genre work, and then right. uh, Miramax was they would buy up all these. Um, early '90s uh, films, uh, yeah, like independent films. Yeah. Um, they they and were the ones. Films. They were the ones who gave uh, you know the the class of '93 uh, from Sundance the all of their start uh, when they picked up Tarantino, yeah. Kevin Smith, Robert Rodriguez, and Spike Lee. Yeah, uh, all at the same year, all uh, tearing through Sundance, and the Weinstein's were like we're buying all these movies and releasing on Miramax. Right. Um, and uh, which, hey, good. If you're fans of those guys. Yeah. You know, great. But, gave them a great start. Yeah. But yeah, it's funny that this movie was like, this is only a couple of years before Scream, but like Dimension, Dimension Star didn't last that long. Like they, no. they had the Scream franchise, but then like there was sort of this point, I think what happened is the Weinsteins left. They took Miramax, I think, and they changed it to the Weinstein Company. And Dimension became under different ownership and became a ghetto. Um, Where all they had was, as we mentioned, you know, they were like, okay, let's turn out Hellraiser and Prophecy sequels and Children of the Corn sequels, uh, of which there are like 14 Children of the Corn films. Um, Bested only by probably Amityville, you know. Coming this summer to At the Devil's Ball. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. uh, No, we're not going to do 14 Children. we're gonna do 14 weeks straight of the children of the cord we're we're not gonna skip a goddamn one of them now, because they're we, all gold we joke but i totally would do it and i know you, oh yeah you know that but yeah um 
Yeah, if someone wants to throw down that gauntlet, we'll we'll put our we'll put up <laughs> we'll we'll put up or shut up, you know. But you well, know. It, it'll be like you know commercial suicide if we actually had any sort of you know cloud to begin with. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'd be a fun way to go. I, I bet we could actually string together fourteen pretty solid episodes. I'm sure. Oh sure. Yeah, but um, but who would want to listen to them? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> everybody wants to hear an episode of. On children of the core in Genesis right. or whatever the hell. Like this yeah. was a really funny idea about week two. You know? mm. Yeah. Week six or seven, people are gonna be like, okay. Yeah. Um anyways. But yeah. Anyway. Prophecy. Prophecy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, uh, so yeah, but it was um this was still while dimension was actually like kind of a thing. In their in their element, yeah. Yeah. And they their were, game. Yeah, and they were producing really interesting um genre pictures. And this is an interesting genre picture. I don't know how good it is, but right. um, it is a very interesting genre picture. Um, I think my favorite thing about this movie, and this is what I kept coming back to when I watched it this time, was this movie is one of the greatest cinematic con jobs mm. I've ever seen. Because this movie is telling you there's a whole lot going on. Right. But if you watch the movie, there's nothing going on. Like, yeah, it, it's like a it's like the B plot from like a half a season of Supernatural exactly. nowadays, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's like it, 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 there's a lot of talk about mm -hmm. how, about this big epic battle that's going right. on. But really, the only action of the film is like Eric Stoltz and uh, uh, a day player like pushing <laughs> each other around a crummy apartment right. in Encino. Um, you know, it's not. Um, well, the mythology aspect of it is kind of the same way. Like they. Yeah. They they talk a lot. They they say a lot of things about like you know, showing you that there's like this huge canon of of knowledge and and mythology yeah. behind the series. And when you actually like go to write out write everything down, it's like you know four lines. Yeah. <laughs> you know there well, was a, the word the, 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 the and there was another word heaven. The exposition is four lines. Right. Ilias Coti is telling the coroner like, here's what I gained from this mm -hmm. surprisingly intact four thousand year old Bible. Um, that, by the way, I could translate because I used to be a priest, now turned a police detective. Um, right. College must have been fun. Um, but yeah, he, like, that's one of the things that always. Well, those loads aren't we'll getting get repaid, that's for sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that in a minute. I love the character of Thomas, but uh, right. we'll, we'll get there. But, but what I mean is that, like, you know, there's, there's like, you know, a couple of guys pushing each other around at that point. There's like mm -hmm. one car explosion. And then there's like a little bit of like Viggo Mortensen pushing Christopher Walken over. Um, and like they that's shoot him it. a few times, you know, they shoot him yeah, a few they, times. There's some, there's some shooting. Hit him with a truck, you know, accident. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, but still, it all has this huge operatic feel, but it's not yeah. really a whole lot going on. Yeah. This is like, it's like if Avengers Endgame was like actually just like Pepper Potts explaining the whole thing to her kid with like an <laughs> right. action, action figures that she was ramming together. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's like, it, it's, but the thing is, is that it, you totally buy it. Like yeah. if you think, think back on this movie, your memory of it, there's tons of action in this movie, but right. there's not it's, right. and it's wonderful. Well, that's why, that's why, like, I've always kind of put it in the same place in my mind as Highlander because Highlander has a, you know, a few, few sword fights and a, you know, a couple epic scenes and the rest is just like <clears throat> him, like going around town looking sad or, yeah. you know the Kurgan just, you know, having the time of his life. Yeah. Um, but they also have this whole like thing where like, you feel like there's this huge world going on, 
but they don't really tell you much about it, which I think is the smart way to do these kind of movies. Cause yeah. first you don't, you don't have to pay to show it. Right. Um, and, and second, like this would be an easy kind of concept to get so bogged down in the details and mm -hmm. the rules, the rules of the universe and the canon to where it would just suck all the fun and life out of it. And I yeah, think so if they if they remade this nowadays, that would it would definitely fall into that category where it like over explained everything and had to have, you know, too much canon. Maybe too much Maybe. too many rules. I think they would I I don't know if I agree with that. I think if it were remade today, it would be even more simplified. But it could be. Um like right after I watched this, I ended up watching um um part of I, I didn't finish it. Um it was a couple some movie called Demon Hunter. It was on Twitter on uh, Tubi. Uh, starring Sean Patrick Flannery as uh, a oh, nice. demon right. monster fighter, um, and it was um, it was stupid as shit. But I was right. like, this is this is basically because it was like obviously it was a it was the algorithm selected that as a right. follow up to Prophecy because it was another kind of stupid movie um, that was. I mean, I honestly I think that if you remade Prophecy, you get Constantine. You yeah. Know? yeah. Um, but uh, it's it's still over. Or supernatural. I mean, yeah. you know. well, supernatural. I mean, supernatural season four plot is basically the prophecy. Yeah. Um, but uh, that was a show, as you mentioned. You know, that's a show that had already spent a few years building up mythology. That when they dropped the angels in, the angels were more or less able to say, you know, we're doing what we do. It doesn't matter. But I remember by season six, they have the second war in heaven as a season six plot line in Supernatural. Right. I remember a friend of mine mentioning, she's like, there's this war in heaven, we're not seeing any of it. And I'm like, and then that came to mind while watching the prophecy. It was like, yeah, we're not <laughs> seeing any here either. Right. Um, which was like, basically there's a war in heaven happening. No, they just knew they had to get that, that. They just yeah. knew they had to get that cool ass shot of all the angels in the fields of heaven, you know, not being able to die and just sitting on spikes screaming. Yeah. They're like, that's all we really need to sell that. And of course, like, you know, some some voiceover narration. Can we just talk about how they did one scene? They did they opened with narration, they did one scene, and then they go back to narration. Yep, I wrote it down. Yeah. Uh, it <laughs> opens yeah, it man? opens with Eric Stoltz's character giving uh, uh, I think again like four lines of dialogue as a voiceover. Yeah. Giving and you the elevator we, pitch for the movie. And then we cut to Ilias Cotius and he becomes the narration. Right. And then we don't they, hear narration. Well, they cut they cut to him getting you know where he's supposed to be ordained as a priest, but yeah. then he gets the 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 terrifying vision. Yeah. Which a terrifying vision without dialogue is almost like the sister to a narration scene. Mm. Um, so you could almost even say there's three narrations in a row, but we'll not we won't go that far. Yeah. But then they got to cut back to narration with you know Mr. Cotius giving narration about what happened to him after after that. Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah, he goes narration for a little bit, and then we don't have any narration at all until the very, very end of the movie, where it's right. at least Cotius again. Um, but yeah, it's it's yeah, I wrote it down specifically, being like, what a uh, that's an odd choice to be like we're yeah. opening with narration with one character and then jump to another. But there's a lot of jumping in this movie. I actually right. one of the main criticisms I have of this film is the editing is terrible. Well, yeah, um, that's that's um, probably probably dimension slash miramax um yeah because they were known for doing that they would just cut stuff up and you know yeah to the point that I, this movie is edited yeah i couldn't find much behind the scenes at all on this film which was no. weird um 
because I wonder if if at least one of those narration scenes wasn't like added in later. Probably, uh, probably the second one. They're like, how do you? How will we know the jump between priest and cop if we don't have him narrate that he's a cop in, in the big city now? Right. <clears throat> that feels yeah. like something you know somebody producer somewhere said. Quite possibly, yeah. Um, but I mean, the editing is from what, what really bugged me about the editing um, uh, was very again very early on jumping between Simon and and Thomas, whereas we have the scene where Thomas talks to Simon. But does that scene actually happen? Because it's never referenced again. Thomas starts interacting with these other angels and never mentions, by mm. the way, I met one two days ago. Right. Um, right. We don't, and like, and it has no bearing on the plot. Well, it definitely where, happened because he had the book that he got from his apartment and he had the St. Christopher medal. Yeah. Right. But he doesn't ever mention like, well, hey, I, I okay, the guy that, killed yeah. this other guys probably that guy i met the other day but right um you know it's uh it's it's one of those things i mean you, but what i mean is that i'm like I, obviously it happened it's, it's in the film but i'm like it, right. but it's edited together in such a way that i'm like wait what event is happening when oh yeah um Definitely. did this scene happen before did it happen after like where is this scene because it's not there's no cohesion it's just a bunch right. of stuff that happens um, and not to mention he had time, he had time to come, you know, talk to him right? and have a fight with the other guy. And I'm sorry, that's, that's the reverse order. Have the fight with the other guy, come talk to him, mm-hmm. then go and to where the body was for, because he knew that this person was the soul that they were looking for somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the space of time to where he was still like laid out and, you know, for viewing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. By the time he gets there. Yeah. And so it's one of those things that like, why, why are these scenes in the order that they're in? Because it doesn't actually track. Um, But it, so the voiceover thing, I think is just another symptom of that where I'm like, we don't, the the, the beginning of this film is a mess. Um, It smooths out eventually, but although it does jump again, every once in a while to be like, and then like, Hey, let's go check what Gabriel's doing. And then we'll jump back. Um, it doesn't seem to really know what it's doing or who it's paying attention to. Like, who is the lead in this movie? Is it Gabriel? Yeah. Is it Thomas? No. You know, it's, um, we don't really know. We spend probably more time with Gabriel eventually. Right. But, uh, at, at, early on, we're introduced to Thomas. I mean, that's the thing. We're introduced to Simon. Then we're introduced right. to Thomas. Then we're introduced to Gabriel. And then we're like, well, wait a minute, we'll go back to Thomas, but who is our actual protagonist in this picture? Right. Uh, is anybody's guess? I mean, they should, have had, they should have had Thomas, um, not Thomas, I'm sorry, um, Simon should have been the one who died in that, in that fight. Because it's obvious they were trying to do the switcheroo, the, the Janet Lee, you know, thing with it. We're like, oh, this is your protagonist. Oh, no, it's not. It's some other guy. Yeah. But then they didn't kill him. They brought him back and they brought him back later. Yeah. Which yeah. is fine. I like seeing Eric Stoltz work, and you know, but and <laughs> at he's the same good, time, he's good in right, that. and he's and he's very very focused in this, and we'll get to that because mm-hmm. there's some creepy ass shit that he's doing, right. and he's absolutely doing it on purpose. Um, but mm-hmm. it's um, and it's a wonderful performance choice because again, we're we're playing with uh, with uh, moral ambiguity um, that angels are not nice, um, right? But um, but yeah, it's uh, it, but it's so. I mean, I'm always grateful to have him around, 
but right. there's another wonderful actor that was in every movie in 1990 between 1989 yeah. and 96 um like literally like you couldn't take a piss without hitting an eric stoltz film you know like at that time but uh and there's for a reason for that he's a wonderful actor right um but um he was he and parker posey they were in every movie in 19 between 1993 <laughs> uh, on yeah um and um but yeah, I mean, he's he's great in this, but it's it's very awkward and and unfocused for most of this picture, and um, right. and uh, then it, it but it works somehow. Like, yeah. and, and that's my point is I was like, it's a con, but I'm like, you totally buy it. Like, there's never a point where you're watching this movie and going like, I don't believe what I'm seeing right now. Like, no, you totally believe it. Like they tell yeah. you there's a whole bunch of stuff happening, and you're like, you know what? There is a bunch of stuff happening. I totally buy <laughs> right. it um but yeah so i mean like the beginning of this film is, is a sense of we see simon he sets up there's a war in heaven angels are fighting angels and then mm -hmm. we uh he also gives the basic premise in that opening narration I believe. right there's there's a yeah a dark a war in heaven yeah there's a MacGuffin, yep. and uh, everybody wants it although he says it's not yet lucifer's which is basically like suggesting lucifer will be the villain of the film but he's not um but yeah i mean everything was it's it's all in and out like it's it's right it's, uh but yeah, eric stoltz is is doing some great work and we might as well just jump into eric stoltz yeah yeah um there's some creepy stuff going on oh that's what i was doing i was i was i was kind of describing the plot right um and so the idea is that we cut to thomas uh who is uh who's about to be ordained a priest he has this horrible vision of a war in heaven right uh ends up being leaving the priesthood somehow becomes a police detective, um, right. which is a, an odd jump. Um, but uh, which I thought was kind of funny because it was like, well, he's an ex-priest and he becomes a cop, but not a like theology scholar. Um, right. Whereas I say, like, I'm pretty sure a failed priest would just end up going and teaching. You would, you would assume so. Yeah. Right. But uh, he probably they, doesn't want to have to deal with that even, you know, yeah. he'd rather put it all aside. Yeah, I guess so. But he's still carrying uh, uh, his, his minor... His minor was in Batman and his major was in, you know, priest. So, yeah. but yeah, he's got the big medallion and everything. But, but there was a great scene between him and Eric Stoltz, though, um, right. where Eric Stoltz is again giving a very understated performance. Um, yeah. And he, uh, where he, he's like, Do you believe, do you believe you're part of God's plan? And like, Elias Kojia says, uh, That's a complicated question. And Eric Stoltz says, No, it's not. Right. Um, right. It's such a, <laughs> a yes it's, or no. Yeah. It's, uh, it's such a wonderful understated performance by Stoltz. And that's why I was it's it's unfortunate that he didn't have more time with Gabriel because they're they're playing such polar opposites in both character and the way they're playing. Yes. Um, you know, Eric Stoltz is very laid back and gentle, and you know Christopher Walken is Christopher Walken. Um, this is one of the most Christopher Walken performances. It's, it's the it's the walk performance, you know, you can walk in. Yeah. Um yeah where you know they only get that one short scene together and it's it's good it's you know the it puts the flat forward and it shows them both you know being able to do their their thing but like if there would have been just a little more with them that would have been cooler because hmm. they like i said they think they go they're so different that they, they really would have played off each other well i don't know how you would write but you know yeah yeah I mean, part of me, I mean, and what they end up doing with the sequels for the, is basically uh, having angels as hero. 
right. uh, protagonist. This movie does not want to do that. Um, no. This movie is wants to be that there's only shades of gray with angels, right. um, which is something they're, they're alien entities. You know, yeah. they don't they're not supposed to be gotten by humans or, or be yeah. rooted for. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, Stoltz is playing. Uh, I mean, we might as well talk about it. Like they, there's that whole. Uh, we're talking about the stranger danger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what we're talking about. I'm trying to find the right word, but that's, the, that's exactly, that's an apt way to put it where it's all stuff. A child predator would say like it's and all, do and do. Yeah. Um, that, uh, and by the way, Eric Stoltz puts his mouth on this right. girl's mouth. I mean, you couldn't do that now. No. Um, but they managed to most actors enough to do that. Either. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm like, did they put something in her mouth so that it was like, I mean, is it, it like, yeah. uh, like interview with a vampire where like anytime Claudia had to sit on Brad Pitt's lap, they put a pillow on there to make I, sure. I hope so. Yeah. Uh, there must've been something, a mouth guard or something they put right. on there. <laughs> But um, all, all I can think is some poor, poor PA having to go from store for store. And I'm going to go to hell for saying this, looking for a children's science dental dam, you know? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> is that Jen? Um, yeah, but no, it's, it's totally, it's, uh, I would assume they must've put something in their mouth. Or, but, or, right. Um, or, I mean, guardians were there on set and, you know, yes. uh, she was, she was saying there's, and Eric you know, Stoltz is a safe guy. I'm sure right. he's a professional, but it's still a weird thing to put in. But still to have, yeah, a character that you're uh, rooting for. And, you know, that's, you know, one of the, one of the protagonists of the show and all of a sudden you're watching this and it's like, okay. And then he kissed a child on the mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, that what that just happened that just happened yes um but also like the whole thing like she's finding when he's like you know uh can you keep a secret right uh don't tell any adults i'm here yeah uh you know um you know and it's and- shown that he's kind of has some sort of power of persuasion as well because he kind of talks you kind of um, you kind of like tell the cops you know yeah, he also does uh yeah, Virginia he also manages to do uh not the droid you're looking for on Virginia Radson. Right. Um, where she uh, complies, like leaving him alone, but she then calls the cops later. Later, right? But um, but yeah, she does manage to not start screaming. Um, yeah, you know, which is what any reasonable adult would do when you find uh, oh yeah, trench coat, a homeless ginger, person, yeah, <laughs> like it, hanging out with a small child in the abandoned wing of a high school. Um, you know, it would be. Uh, I'm calling the police like right now. Right. Um, and, and this if, this might even be for your safety at this point because yeah. but yeah, it's all and Stoltz knows exactly what he's doing with the performance. Right. Um, but he's also playing it neutral, which is really fascinating to watch because you're both of you're like, you know that what he's saying is wrong, but his performance doesn't suggest that he's looking to harm anybody. No. So it's all like it's running this really, really narrow line performance yeah. wise where he's pulling back from going child predator but he's like i'm totally a child predator right like i'm uh, you know and it's, but it's, all it's part even of- played it's played so finely that you know in a fine line where you know it's is he is he doing that or is it like you know he's you know a, a child finds a unicorn in a, in a storybook and the yeah. unicorn gives him a wish um because that's not, how it comes off to the child I not mean, the robot chicken unicorn though um, probably not no yeah. take off your clothes <laughs> now look i forgot all about that one yeah, yeah. Um, not that yeah. unicorn 
it's not that unicorn but um but no actually that's kind of what you're talking about like the idea right. of like you know when you meet a fantastic creature there's always this element of something uncanny to it that right. uh, doesn't quite track uh and that if you if you want to read it the wrong way it will become problematic or or like the um the scene in uh in chapter two where pennywise shows up underneath the bleachers and talks mm. to that little girl yeah um except at the end he doesn't you know eat her uh, he puts an evil soul in her yeah but... he hides he hides the MacGuffin. yeah right um but yeah and um it's another that's another one of those things that like we're told is 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 something we don't see it really but we're like with this guy is apparently the most evil man in america right or the world ever um this colonel um, i don't think i don't think ever i think it's just the fact of um that the most evil soul right now that was passing i mean i don't mm. think it was like i mean obviously he's up there with you know vlad the impaler or you know pol pot or hitler they're the plane of like that but at the same time it's it's a smallish um it's not about a numbers game you know it's it's he's said a lot of evil things he's really twisted he's prophesized right yeah um but um which is funny too because this movie's called the prophecy and there's only like a, a one oblique reference to a prophecy right um, but um it's uh but yeah uh but yeah the whole the, the basically the prophecy is this guy the dark soul this this american colonel which by the way good choice on making it an american military campaign. yeah um in in korea no less in korea one of our more useless wars you know yeah um yeah filled with a lot of brutality needless brutality yeah. um which in this case was basically like making masks out of human skin um right fun, fun guy um but yeah it's um give it 50 years they'll do sequels that are based just solely around him you know that's what they do with the guys who make faces out of mass out of people right yeah apparently yeah they'll, they'll keep making them um but yeah it's but that's basically the 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 the, the prophecies this dark soul will become will absorb other dark souls and win his team the war in heaven right. they'll upset the balance yeah um which apparently will do something we're not really told what that means yeah it's it, yeah like well it's vague yeah if gabriel wins heaven opens and that's bad it's well because like, he's going to remake heaven and he doesn't like humans and yeah well by the way i love that this movie entirely right. is based around the idea that god is powerless um right you don't see that very often no but uh but like you know like the the, the coroner who will get to uh joseph even says like why doesn't god just kick out the bad angels he's like i don't know if he can't i'm like well then by, right. by definition he's not god right um but okay um but yeah it's uh that's essentially what's at stake is this guy's soul this military commander is going to help one the bad guy side win the war right and that bad guy side is gabriel who's named gabriel and referenced as sort of gabriel but has nothing in common with the actual gabriel from any sort of actual lore um right. i did some research on angels because also there's the whole bit where Tom well no they have the they have the gag with the uh the trumpet there there's that there's that yes <laughs> um but there is uh but there's a whole bit where taught where thomas is talking to virginia Mad virginia madsen and saying uh, poor virginia madsen there's nothing to do in this movie no um and uh they can't even madsen. give her a decent half shirt you know yeah 
Yeah, she's got like the tide around the midriff thing. Right. Yeah, but uh, he has Which somehow whole... makes her look more frumpy than normal. Yeah. Instead of less. Uh... The thing, the funny thing is that she's radiant as hell in this movie, but like right. she's just so. But it, the the role is so subdued that there's just nothing going on. But I don't think she's ever looked better than she does in this movie. But she uh, she's given nothing to do. But uh, right, nothing, but Thomas, to, nothing to wear. Either. Yeah, and Thomas is telling her like, you know, if you notice in the Bible, whenever time God has to like cause a problem, there's an angel. And I was like, right. I actually did a quick quick research. To, I found a paper mm-hmm. uh, online about uh, angels, and it was sort of like, yeah, there's some of that, right? But uh, actually. Um, God does plenty of damage on his own, first of all. Right. Uh, but second of all, actually, angels mostly are positive elements in the Bible. Um, right. A few times they show up. There aren't, there aren't that many references no. to angels in the Bible, uh, it, 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 despite what every movie ever tells well, you. That, that's kind of the weird thing about all these you know, horror movies based on Christian mythology is like yeah. they, they, all, they all want to talk about like, you know, the early Old Testament stuff. Mm-hmm. And nobody, everybody's afraid to to touch the Jesus issue, mm-hmm. for the most for the most part. This one talks a lot about it, but it doesn't actually talk about supernatural. How this works. Supernatural, never right. one reference to Jesus. Right, you yeah. know. So when they talk about angels, like this, this movie's in the mindset of you know, when angels would just come down and smite people, or you know, like some guy's getting a little bit big in the head, <laughs> so he has to wrestle with an angel, or you know, yeah. whatever. And that's not really the history of no, no. of it in the church. You know? No, their their actual biblical uh, elements are mostly they mostly show up to deliver a right. message. Um, yeah, but what do you expect? This movie, you know, makes up Bible quotes and entire chapters. Very true. So, yeah, yeah. there's a whole new chapter of Revelations, right? Um, uh, yeah, it's it, it's a fun. It, it's 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 all just silly, and I I, I love yeah. when movies. I love when movies do it. It's one of my favorite subgenres, really, of film is these religious right. uh, nut job works that uh, have very little in common with anything. Because, because they, treat, they treat they treat religion as a mythology of its own, or yeah. you know, a canon of its own, and that's kind of fun to play around in the canon. Yeah, you know, really, sacrilegious mostly, as it may be. Yeah, but mostly everybody's what they're talking about. These movies are really talking about are Milton and Dante, right? Or not biblical canon? They what were, they're not. No, I don't know, dude. I've yeah. seen a lot of movies, and I'm pretty sure they're canon. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> uh, exactly. Every movie ever wants to tell you that yep. basically Paradise Lost and Inferno are mm-hmm. uh, are totally Bible. They're not. Um, the Bible wasn't that cool. No, um, but I was yeah, say they should have been. But you know, they're not. Yeah, Lucifer isn't even mentioned in right. the Bible. There is no Lucifer in the Bible. All right, that's all Milton. Uh, there's the serpent. Right. Uh, or the uh, the tempter. Uh, there's a devil. Yeah, there's an antagonist. I mean, yeah. you know. Yeah. But, but it's not it's not a fallen angel. No, and um, it's not even really sure if it's you know they're, they're all the same person. You know, they're not. No, no, no. There's nothing. It depends on your interpretation. Yeah, scholars right. still can't. Still, scholars still don't agree if the serpent in the Garden of Eden and the tempter from Job are the same guy. Right. Um, or the guy in Revelations is the same guy. Um, no, there's even um, there's even a tradition where the serpent, uh, the serpent who gave you know Eve the, the apple is is named Samael. So 
There you go. <laughs> I, I'm in there. I'm more in there than Lucifer is. That's true. Yeah. There you um, go. But yeah, anyway. But yeah, Gabriel, it, it's interesting they choose the name Gabriel, but it, uh, right. uh, there's not. I mean, Gabriel is in the Bible. There is a Gabriel yeah. in the Bible. Um, one of the, actually, one of the, I think, well, you, two. You have to pick an arc. You have to pick an archangel, obviously. Yeah, um, yeah. I think one of uh, one of only two angels given names. I think in the Bible. I think that's what I right. read. It was like Gabriel and Michael, right? Both names in the Bible. Uh, and there might have been one more. I think there was one more guy that they kind of there was like a brief reference to some guy named. It might have been Ariel. Um, yeah. But um, Milton again. It's Milton. Was yeah. like here's the archangels and here's what they're named. Right. Um, but uh, the archangels are more or less are referenced as the uh, Michael is the leader of heaven's armies, right. and Gabriel was the messenger, I believe. He was the mm -hmm. guy who showed up and told Mary, "By the way, you're going to have a kid." Right. Uh, I think that was supposed to be Gabriel. Um, That's to kind of imply he was the angel of death at one point too, but you know they're not really holding strict to any, no. any even their own internal logic. No, the the but in the Bible, yeah, the angels are, are basically their predominant word, uh, roles are deliver messages, fairy souls of the dead, um, right. and um, it was one other thing they pretty much did, and it wasn't it wasn't like murdering people, right. uh, it was it was just encouraging. I think it was just generally encouraging worship of God, right? Um, to the point there is a, a one reference to the, of uh, someone trying to worship an angel, and the angel's like, "What the fuck? Don't do that." like you know right. that's wrong um but uh yeah a lot yeah. of their work in the bible was you know them going up to being like gandalf just yeah. Yeah. here's a well, message or or here's you know like you know we'll help prop you up but yeah. you're gonna do the work look for me at the coming of the tide it's exactly quite, it's quite cool uh, yeah <laughs> I like doing Mike Nelson's Gandalf. <laughs> ah. uh, I can't do Ian McKellen's Gandalf, but no. Um, but yeah, I mean, so yeah, so we got Gabriel um, uh, played by Christopher Walken, uh, very played by Christopher Walken. Right. This is one of, as we've mentioned already, this is one of the most Walken performances of all. And time. as such, it's one of my favorites. Oh, it's delightful. Right. Uh, it's absolutely delightful. Uh, and you'll notice that that this is where one of those movies where the the trademark walk-in impression kind of came from because he's right. got some weird diction going on in a lot of scenes. It's very Shatnerian. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, he's delivering sentences in ways that are very unnatural, um, and they're just the way that walk-in says things. But right. like, uh, I'm trying to think of an example, but I don't even. Know another, you know, well, I mean, you know, he's like, you know. The, Second best for talking most. I will not allow that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, open her up. Yeah. yeah. Now open right. up the casket. You know. Or even uh, like even when he's talking with his, you know, his minions, like you know, and they inevitably start to cry, and he's like, "Just don't do that. I hate yeah. that. Don't do that. I hate that." Um. Yeah. yeah like he's he's. I I know that you are a human. Monkey, right? Stupid monkey, but you know, shh, you know, and then he does that, like, you know, right. thing. But that's my that's the best walk, and I, and I probably will never do a better walk than that, my <laughs> right? That actually wasn't bad. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's uh, it monkey, uh, yeah. you know, it's that weird pronunciation that he does. 
Um, but it really works. Uh, and it's, it's such an over the top and he's got like that terrible wig. Right. Um, it's, and, uh, and a lot of mascara and oh, so uh, much. yeah, so much makeup. He's way over made up. Yeah. And it's, it, but I mean, it looks like a corpse. I mean, that's kind of, yeah. you know, and yeah. that's all on purpose of this film's fart, you know, that are, they knew why they got Christopher Walken other than oh, if you can yeah. get Christopher Walken, you get him. Um, but he helps make the role seem, you know, less human and, and more alien just because, well, yeah. he's Christopher goddamn Walken. Right. Yeah. Um, well, Christopher Walken, this was actually towards the start of uh, the period where Walken was sort of what Nicolas Cage is now um, in a lot of ways where he was. Uh, right. He kind of had entered a stage later in his career where he had basically just said, I'll do whatever movie set that's in front of me. Right. Um, just give me a this script was, and I'll this, do it. This was peak Walken playing Walken. Yeah. You know, and I think his exact lines, exact uh, words when asked in interviews is why he did that. He's like, I, I'll happily be the best part of a bad movie. Right. Um, like he, he would just basically do any movie that was that he was asked to do. Right. And, um, you know, most of them were, were at least pretty good. I mean. Well, I mean, he was good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm saying like most of the movies, you know, he didn't have any like, you know, certified zero star clunkers in in this era that I can think of. I mean, uh, bad movies, but nothing that were like, you know, the uh, worst. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. There's like, I remember, I can't even remember the title of it. There's some ghost movie he was in Mm -hmm. uh, that uh, where you played like a weird innkeeper. It was bad really bad. i just don't remember what it's called but i mean yeah right. they there 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 are i mean there, there's stuff right. that you probably haven't seen <laughs> like, right but um or i've forgotten all about because, yeah or I've forgotten all about but there yeah, are movies during me. that period where uh where you know walking was in them and they well there's there's them. yeah there's the there's the walk and walk on you know yeah. Yeah. where they get him for a day yeah uh but it's what but it is uh walking is another example like Nicholas Cage, where he was a legitimate um, major actor, right, uh, and then kind of just slid down to being in whatever. Um, you know, this was the man who was in the Deer Hunter, right. Um, you know, then he kind of uh, got forgotten, and then yeah. Pulp Fiction happened, and yeah, it picked up again. And if you want to see how good Walking is, watch the Deer Hunter. He's so oh, good yeah. in the Deer Hunter. Um, one of my favorite movies of all time. It's an amazing film. Um, and Walken is unbelievable in it. Um, same thing. And uh, he's good in The Dark Half. Uh, not The Dark Half, yeah. the other one. Um, Dead Zone. Dead Zone, thank you. Yeah, um, yeah which we covered on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, like Walken, uh, he was just this really, really wonderful actor who worked with major filmmakers on these great films and like Academy Award nominations. And then he's in The Prophecy. Right. Um, but you know, sitting with Elias Cotius is another wonderful actor. Um, right. And he's kind of just here. Um, I've tried to remember what Elias Cotius's big role was. It's not only kind of just here, like he's kind of just here in the way that like literally every time I think about the movie, I get him confused with Christopher Maloney. Mm. Like, like not when I'm watching it, obviously. It's obviously a different person. But like when I try to remember the movie, I'm like, I'm like, was Chris Maloney in that? And the prophecy? No, no that wasn't that. <laughs> yeah. It's Ilias Cotius. Um, right. uh, well, after this, he was in The Thin Red Line. Um, that's a big one. But I'm trying to remember what movie was his big, 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 big role. Um, 
was in something with uh, Eric Stoltz too. I can't remember what it was off the top of my head. Oh, he's in. Yeah, he had small roles. Um, yeah, I'm not. Really I know the Thin Red Line was the really big thing for him. Well, he had been in Teenage Mutant Ninja these days before this. Uh, he was. That's what it was, Casey Jones. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I want to say he. I want to say he had some sort of major like academy award nomination or something but i guess he didn't i don't know but anyway so I mean, you're thinking a, of somebody else as well maybe yeah, but he's a wonderful actor um right. he's been in lots of things um you know he he's um and he uh i know he ended up being uh surely this he was also in fallen uh which is a really right. fun movie starring denzel washington cody is in that mm-hmm. um but uh obviously he was a, a great casey jones in uh uh but uh which by the way um completely off topic but watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the 1990 version it's actually a really good movie but um oddly enough but uh yeah but yeah it's uh it's actually really really good but um which is uh, unbelievable but uh but yeah Elias Cody was in it he was very good uh I think he actually was also Raphael I think he played both roles in that film I think it was the wasn't uh wasn't Raphael Corey Feldman? No, uh, Raphael uh, Corey Feldman was Donatello. Okay, uh, I know he's no, one of he them. Was, no, he, he's not credited as Raphael. Oh, okay. uh, then he was also was in Look Who's Talking too, which uh, probably wow. was his um, uh, a big uh, big break there. Um, right, <laughs> but um, anyways, wonderful actor. He does a, he does does a good job here with very awkward material. Yeah, um, and it's 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 hard for him and uh, Virginia Madsen in this movie because mm-hmm. they're they're given the boring roles. I mean, they really are. Yeah, yes. everybody around them gets to do this cool character work. You know, even even the kid gets to do a lot of fun stuff for for a kid to have to do. But to do yeah, not I'm, not I'm not referring to kissing Eric Stoltz, although you know, twist my arm. No, um, but you know, like her her getting to play possessed and everything. Yeah, there's a little bit of there's some moments where she delivers some pretty heavy shit in the right. dialogue wise. But yeah, like uh war atrocities. Did, did that shit. ghost have dementia? Because I feel like the ghost had dementia because he, he would just say non sequiturs. Like all of a sudden they'd be talking about whatever. They're like, You ever cut off a Chinaman's head? It's like I think yeah. Thanks, yeah. dude. Yeah, it does all sound right. like does sound a little bit like grandpa in the old folks' home. Yeah, but um <laughs> right. I think it was supposed to just be that his it, it's parts of his personality bleeding in so mm-hmm. non-sequiturs would be unavoidable right. but um when you're watching it, you're like well, oh okay yeah it's an odd thing or, or they have out. the light about you know how this the location they picked for the last battle was a good one hmm. because it's highly defensible yeah and that goes nowhere that's true yeah like i thought um, wouldn't that have played into the a little bit or something or no i mean they do cut almost immediately to like Elias Cotius like setting up the tripwire um to block the truck and they mentioned that they can see the truck coming they know he's on his way yeah i suppose so um yeah. there's no other way for him to approach so right. like, he's on his way um but yeah i mean it's 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 one of those things that like i think this movie you know god forbid i mean like if it had more time but i mean i don't right. think it needed more time but no. um but yeah i mean it's it but you're you're absolutely right Elias Cotius and virginia madsen get very get the boring roles for sure even though nobody if you really really look at it what the fuck 
Hmm? Can you hear me? Yeah. All right. I'm getting, okay. Anyway, sorry. Um, I'm getting weird error messages on my computer. Oh, okay. Um, but no, it's, it's fine. Um, but yeah, anyway, like, uh, even if you really look at it though, like nobody really gets all that much time in this movie. Right. Like even, even Gabriel, like his actual screen time is pretty low because this movie jumps around so much that, um, nobody really gets a lot of time. Like Adam Goldberg's in this movie and I dare you to remember what the hell he was doing in it. You know, like he was. He was playing the uh, Shia LaBeouf from a Constantine role, you know, just drive me around. Yeah, uh, I'm actually, but I'm also rotting. Um, right. I'm, I'm living dead, but not living dead at all. But also like by the, the angels have eyes, don't have eyes unless they do. Um, right. It's, it's all over. Billiness. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, we, you, obviously you get, you know, Gabriel gets a lot of the meaty stuff. Um, Simon uh, Eric Stoltz gets a lot of the understated meaty stuff, and then you get right. the other extreme, Vigo Mortensen. Um, yeah. Just uh, still my maybe still probably my my favorite movie. Say it's really good. Right. Um, it's definitely. I'm not saying it's it's the best version of Satan, but mm. like his performance as it is like always been one of my favorites. Because yeah, he plays it so strangely. Yeah, it's a very odd performance. It's one of the oddest performances the, uh, that I've that I've seen recently. Like I right. always forget how odd it is, but it's also right. very oddly, very kind of affecting. Like it's mm-hmm. like we we introduce him, and he's talking to Richard Madsen. He's basically saying like, "Here's why I'm going to help you," um, but also he's like, "I could lay you out." and fill your mouth with your mother's feces right. and it's like what an odd threat but okay <laughs> yeah, um, nope. you know it could just be i could rip your head off but right but um or we uh, could talk you know <laughs> yeah uh, and then he like he sings a little bit and then he like eats a flower right and he's got his little dwarf like if you've if you haven't dwarf. seen if you haven't even seen this movie mm. first of all why are you here um go see it uh, but secondly like we cannot explain to you how he eats a flower. It's not just, I, I couldn't even begin to explain the, the experience of watching him eat the flower like kind that. Like, yeah, he kind of peels it and then he, right? Yeah, it's, it's very and odd. It's somehow crunchy and, you know. Yeah, it's, but he's, he's doing, and then he has that weird scene where he like holds Elias Cotius and then right. he gives him a whole speech about like, human souls but it doesn't make any sense and he's like you know there's how you beat gabriel and it makes no sense whatsoever but it sounds poignant coming out of Vigo mortensen yeah um and this is good this is well before aragorn right you know this is well he was still nobody knew who he was yeah. character roles yeah we got an right. end he got an end yeah so he was he, he was around in stuff but right. not a big deal uh he was still doing small character roles um mm-hmm. He was in uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Right. Uh, a, again, a wonderful performance with a lot of weird dialogue. Um, yeah. But, um, and, but yeah, and then like he, he fights, he has the fight with Gabriel at the end, pulls out his heart, and then he has that weird, like kind of mopey, whiny thing that he does. Where he's yeah. Like, like, no, I want you to come home with me. Like it's, right. and he's like, he's like trembling. It's really odd. Yeah, it's just, um, it's, 
hard to explain. There's no I, way to explain it. Yeah, you no. have to watch it. Like, and, and especially with the movie where you already have pretty much Gabriel pretty much playing the standard devil role. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, complete with his hatred of humanity and his jealousy of humanity. Mm-hmm. And then they bring, you know, the actual Lucifer into this. And, you know, his, it'd be easy to just copy and paste that character over. Mm-hmm. Um, but his motivations are separate and his actions are different, which, you know, I gave him a lot of credit for doing this. Yeah. I was going to say, I, 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 it's, it's very similar, I think, to, uh, the way uh, Peter Stormare played for in Constantine, which is again mm-hmm. on screen, my other favorite, probably a total of five minutes, right? Bringing a very odd but oddly thoughtful performance yeah. as this character, um, really thinking it out. I mean, it, it they're both very cerebral performances, very um, extremely, yeah, and very physical performances. Uh, with both actors just having it, uh, this very, very tactile. Um, yeah, they both lick the main character. They both know, lick the main character, well. yeah, as well. Um, and uh, and but they both play them oddly, also like oddly vulnerable. Um, there's some affection there, but they're right. also like evil. Like like this Lucifer in particular is talking about like they're I don't dangerous, but they're but they're also you know I don't want to say safe, but they're they're kind of cuddly in their own way. You know, they're not just about the danger. They're there's, not mean. There's a gentleness to them yeah, as well. They're not mean. Right. Um, I think that they're, I don't know if there's gentleness to them. I think that I would say they're not, they're not cruel. Right. Um, what, what they are is are, are wild animals who are behaving themselves. Right. Um, you know, like, and that's something that uh, Mortensen in particular is bringing to this role where he's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to eat you. I would eat you normally. It's like it's like right. uh, you know somebody who has a pet wolf. You know? Right. Like you look at that and be like, "That's a wolf," but the wolf is like, "I'm behaving myself." But you make the wrong move, I'll rip right. off your hand. You Except know, the wolf uh, is making a choice. It's not even. Yeah. It's it's not even you know. Whereas you know, if you have a pet animals, you know, they might be a wild animal to ninety percent of the people, but they see you as part of their in group. And this is not the case. They're making yeah. a, cho- a, a a choice to not. Yeah. be a wolf in this moment yeah but he's playing it with such restraint um with when the with a with a affectation of restraint the mm-hmm. the role is not restrained no performance is not restrained i mean that he's playing the idea that lucifer is restraining himself from uh like he's totally like i totally want to rip off your skin yeah, and this is the kind of Lucifer that you could see somebody making a deal with, or you could mm-hmm. see somebody falling for what he's saying. Yeah, and yeah. you know, they do take the deal, kind of. Um, they just don't take the furtherance of the deal that he wanted afterwards. Yes, they accept his help, yeah. right? Um, and uh, and then when and then he he asks them to come then home he, with then him. he pushes them. Yeah, yeah, he has that moment where he's he's kind of small and like begging right. them to come and like begging them. And they're like, no, go away. And he's like, like sad. And it's, it's right. oddly effective, but yeah. um, it's, it's such a bizarre, it, and you're right. It, there's no way to describe it. Like I, I thought watching it last night, I was like, I can talk about this. And now I'm like, there's no way to describe this. No, it's, just, uh, it's such a singular moment. 
Yeah, and it's it's something it, it really brings the movie home, I think, because right. I think by that point you're getting bored. Um yeah. the 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 walk-in performance only goes so far. Um when they're building up to the final encounter, right. things slow down. Um and it's a, a very awkward third act. And then then there's Vigo Mortensen and he comes in and says, mm-hmm. I'm gonna make this third act way more interesting. And you're like, Well, thank right. you, because we were actually kind of losing the losing the thread here. Um, I did like how they went, you know, they didn't go with, you know, the exorcist for helping the girl, you know, it didn't, it didn't go, well, here's the problem. We need more, you know, more Catholicism. We need more uh, Jesus. Right. We need more Catholicism in this movie. Yeah. Uh, Instead they, they do, um, Native Americans. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's done in a way where it doesn't feel exploitive either. It, It feels like, well, you know, this one works just as well as any other, you know? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, we, we're not even really told what they're doing. Right. Um, there's no moment of exposition where they have some wise old medicine man come up and be right. like, then we must exercise great, great demons. I mean, we watch the Manitou, so we know what they're doing. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we, we're never really told what they're doing. We just understand it. You know, right. um, they're going to try to get the soul out of a little girl. Yeah. Um, and they are successful in doing so. The, the, um, what do they call it? The enemy ghost or the enemy spirit? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, which it, it is. This guy's a, right. The, the 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 funny thing is is that the they never spell it out, but apparently the worst character in this movie is mm-hmm. this guy. Right. Um, they're like you know Gabriel and Lucifer are doing what they do. This guy made a choice to be really evil. Right. Um, you know he's just an evil evil dude. Um, and, well, they even uh, have Lucifer say the part, you know, of that, you know, I don't remember the exact line, but um, where, you know, if you want to talk about depravity and, you know, moral, moral depravity, you, you go to humans. Yeah. We, we know what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, he doesn't apologize for the, for the character, but he does definitely make sure he's like, you guys are worse. You know, right. right. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, the, uh, and of course, the you know the whole point is that this guy's the worst is the worst one, and um, it, it, I think it's supposed to be an irony thing. It's not really spelled out because they also talk about like uh, the part of the prophecy is dark soul uh, comes, absorbs other dark souls, becomes the ultimate weapon for heaven, and it's not an angel. Yeah, it's human. Um, however, the film never really spells out that's supposed to be ironic. I think, but right. I think we get the point that it's supposed to be ironic, but um but it doesn't can't really be irony because we're not actually told we don't know yet the angels are bad but um but yeah i mean it's 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 like dean winchester says angels are dicks and that's supposed to be the idea that everybody all the angels are dealing with a with a level of morality that doesn't line up with what we think morality is it's um and so it is sort of like Lucifer going like, you know, yeah, I guess I'm evil, but you guys are way worse. You know, like you guys are making choices, you know, we're doing what we do. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, but also I love the fact that uh, I was, I was getting to this a, a little bit earlier, which was the, um, the third act thing where things again, jump around. Adam Goldberg just gets killed off. And then Amanda Plummer's in it for literally three minutes as the replacement goldfish and it's like 
I'm like, why bother? <laughs> but okay. Because you know, you got Amanda Plummer, you're gonna use her. Mm. Yeah, she uh, but and Amanda Plummer is wonderful. I mean, she's been I mean, it it does nail home, you know, exactly how much humans mean to Gabriel, which is absolutely nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Um I think I think without that, you it wouldn't have hammered at home as well. Um, just how much he doesn't care about or for mm. humanity. You know, the only use he finds for them is, you know, the most degrading, disgusting, existentially terrifying ways you can imagine. Right. Which is taking these people who want to be dead and saying, nope, can't die. Gotta work for me. <clears throat> yeah, I think he ensnares Brittany Murphy in the next one. Yeah. About Prophecy 2. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. It's, I think it's Brittany Murphy. Was it Brittany Murphy? I think oh, so. Man. It was wow. somebody famous. I haven't seen it in a long ass time. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm it pretty probably sure was. the sequel was Brittany Murphy. Um, uh, let's see. I'm just going to look it up now, but keep talking. Right, yeah. The, the, well, yeah. Yeah. The, the fact that, you know, humans are worse than useless to them, worse than a pet. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty grotesque. Um, and it's you know weird that he needs a car because they show that they can fly in and out of places, but yeah, can he fly? <laughs> uh, well, it's... I mean, the way he does, the way some of these angels do their entrances to the next you know location seems like they can fly um, when they want to. Yeah, they seem to be able to move around really easily right. enough. Yeah, because uh, yeah. you just hear like a flutter, and then you hear, then you see them like standing on the road, you know? Yeah, or. I well, mean, that's well, that's supernatural. The flutter thing, the, right? This movie, I don't think well, that's there. It's just Simon just sort of gets around easily enough, right? And then they show um, Lucifer at least, you know, turning into birds. But that's yeah, just you know yeah, him he, making a a cool exit. Yeah, he literally turns into birds. Yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, the other guy that we see at the beginning, the other angel, Uriel. Right. Uh, uh, I mean, he but, obviously flew up there. Yeah, he was able to get Four stories. Yeah, yeah, it's odd that Gabriel was the only one who needed a ride. Right. Um, you know, but I think it's probably, I think you're probably right. It's probably just that he wants to be a dick, but right. uh, yeah, he certainly doesn't. He's like, I, I can't drive. They're like, well, or, yeah. he's, or he's been doing it. So, you know, been here on earth looking for, for such a soul for so long that he just, you know, has gotten used to getting around the, that way. Yeah. It's less work for him. You know, he doesn't have to lower himself to flying or flying himself around. Yeah. If he's got something to drive him. Yeah, I guess. But I mean, Eric Soltz certainly had no problem getting around. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I kind of think of it, it's really odd that he just suddenly has these car scenes. Um, right. But yeah, it's, uh, and I, I think the real reason is that he needed somebody to talk to so that he could have uh, characterization. Oh, oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, and yeah. having someone around to do your, you know, the stuff you need to do human interactions for is also, a thing with him because like yeah. he is he's disgusted by humans he doesn't want to yeah. talk to them yeah but he needs dialogue for the movie to work <laughs> right so he has to have a co-star to talk to or uh or else you just do narration yeah um but yeah we've already hit that drum too hard yeah but yeah i mean like yeah i mean you mentioned there's like there's a great scene between him and eric stoltz um where uh, Eric Stoltz, uh, where Simon attempts to to appeal to his good nature and says like, you know, this will war is stupid and right. uh, and but and Walker has this great thing like great thing about conversations like this 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then he lights him on fire, and um, but yeah, it's uh, it's I don't know, man. It's just such an odd movie. Uh, right. but Yeah, it, but and it's, and oddly, like you know, it it had a lot of impact. Which yes. Is weird. Yeah, if you want to talk about uh, because you know. Supernatural pulled as much from this as it did, you know, Constantine mm. to to come up with its angels. I mean, yeah, those are really the two main things that they that they pointed to, and it's it's kind of weird that this little. I I think it the first one got a got a theatrical release. And it, it made it made double its budget back, but it did a lot better on home video. So this, the the second Onward went straight to video. Yeah, um, but it wasn't like you know a big movie. No, no, it made it made like sixteen million dollars worldwide. I mean, yeah, on an eight million dollar budget. But everybody saw this movie, right? Everybody seen this movie. Yeah. Everybody and, rented it. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. But it never had like a big cultural impact, other than informing these later things. Um, can you hear me? I can... Hello. Yep. Okay. All right. Sorry, a lot of sound problems. Right. Internet problems. Anyway. And, you know, there was also um, a role playing game around the same time that pulled a lot from this and and later got pulled from uh, for other stuff, I think. Which which one? Um, Inamine, I think it was called. It was all about like, it was like um, Vampire the Masquerade, except it was with angels. Oh, White Wolf with Angels? Yeah, I think I, I, remember. I don't know if it was White Wolf, but it, was, it wasn't part of that whole White Wolf, you know. It wasn't World a werewolf game? No, it wasn't like oh. a vampire, werewolf, the mummy, all, the wraith, none of those mm. stuff. I know I had the book because it was a cool-ass book. I thought, you know, I thought White Wolf did have a... Uh... It might have been Night Wolf, but it wasn't part of that greater world. Um. No, they just had. It looks like they might have just had one called Angel. <laughs> Angel yeah, okay. Revelation. This was uh, um, in nom- in nominee. In um, nominee. Oh, they had Demon the Fall. Ninety. Yeah, that was this was ninety seven. So it came out a couple years after, and it took a lot of these ideas and ran with them. And I swear to God, like later things that do angels like supernatural pulled stuff from this either, and which is odd because not many people I've spoken to have even heard of the game. I never yeah, played like, it. I never played it. I just had the book, so I never found anybody to play it with. But no, I don't want the angel, angel TV show role playing game. Google. This anyway, was anyway. published in '97 by Steve Jackson Games, based on the French game in Nominee. Huh. Ooh. Okay. The plot thickens. Anyways. Uh, all right. Check it out. It's it's a fun little role playing game, and it really fl- fleshes out. It it really plays like a. Of the prophecy role-playing game is what, what my main point was yeah yeah but yeah this movie it's it's i remember everybody saw this movie yeah yeah back in the day back in high school like all the kids were like you know talking about the prophecy for some reason right. it was up there with like i think it was like that weird gothy thing like it was part of the mm-hmm. like with the crow it was part of the thing yeah yeah like like all the kids saw it, you know, and they were like, "Well, we're gonna watch this movie about." It was rated R, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, and for whatever reason, I think it was on home video. Like everybody kind right. of rented this movie, and well, um, yeah, I mean, Christopher Walken was huge on the cover. I mean, 
yeah. anybody who's you know even like a remotely goth kid is probably like sweet christopher walken i'm gonna want to rent this you yeah. know i guess what was he was he in something that would get the goth kids interested i mean aside from this not really but yeah. you know like the weird kids find other weird performers and like it um there was the dead zone i mean that was big to people like me yeah um the, but i mean pulp fiction made him that's huge true. yeah for yeah, a moment yeah. there the guy in yeah the guy in pulp fiction maybe that i might buy that but I think it was I think it was more like the subject matter. I think it was more yeah. like here's this kind of weird like I said also it felt, like, it felt very hot tub. You know, it felt yeah felt yeah. like it belonged there, you know. Yeah, and that's what I mean is it's sort of like that it, that con job that I'm talking about that right. worked really well, which is that this movie I think made you believe you were watching kind of like an action movie about angels and demons, and you're not. You're watching Me, uh, character actors uh, kind of ham it up. Uh, right. Uh, my friend and I even took to calling, you know, stupid people talking monkeys for a while until we realized that that you probably can't get away with doing that when it has other uses it that are pretty racist. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you can't get away with that now. But yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was. It was a. It was a pretty hot movie. I remember, like, you know, a lot of people really knew about this movie and watched this movie. Um, Dimension was. Um, they were pretty popular. Yeah, it was yeah. kind of a thing. Like the, yeah. the the young people really, really dug dimension in a lot of ways. Uh, like a lot of film geeks liked, you know, Miramax and watched Dimension. And, you know, if you were a, a genre geek, I mean, yeah. they were putting out more. I don't want to say high quality, but no more, you know, quality. Content wise, like they were putting out more movies of, you know, decent well, enough think, quality than most of the other players at the time i think by this time uh like they had already released uh dimension had already released i think desperado right um which was a huge hit with right. the kids when i was in school oh yeah um, and it was a crossover hit because film yeah. geeks liked it because it was a film geek movie but also it was yeah. just a kick-ass action movie it's very predominantly a kick-ass yeah. action movie but yeah it uh but it was robert rodriguez who had gained right. so much uh, goodwill from uh el mariachi yeah um but yeah it's it, um a very one-man band and the, the kids so i mean i think dimension was reaching the audience they intended to reach which was like you know the kids you know and they were like you know we gotta get the teenagers and i think prophecy just managed to hit but i mean i know that that so many people are like people that don't like horror movies, that don't like action movies, that don't like all they, they love the prophecy. This movie is like a thing for them. Like, I know people, oh, yeah. yeah, I know people that would that love the prophecy and they don't watch these kind of movies. Yeah, and at the same time, Dimension was putting out like you know, sequels. That was that's when they started doing sequels to Hellraiser and Halloween and stuff. You know, it was that's right, kind of a Dimension, big deal. Dimension did have Halloween for five minutes, yeah, there, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Halloween 6, Curse of Michael Myers. That was a dimension. I mean, they never really let go of the rights to Halloween, I don't think, because didn't they still have... Um, I I know it was through H2O and Resurrection, but I oh, that's, think... Yes, yeah. Miramax or, or Dimension, one of them, or even the Weinstein group, were still like one of the title cards on the Rob Zombie ones, I believe. You might be right. The Weinstein yeah. Company, maybe. Right. Yeah um yeah you might be right they may have they may have stolen away with that when they left right. uh, and now it's back at universal but i mean 
What's that Bloom House now, right? Well, yeah, but it's through Universal. Oh, okay. And I mean, it's still the, talking about Halloween and the ownership is is a losing game well, by any stretch of the imagination. Honestly, at, at this Trankus, point, Trankus still, had, I think, is the primary owner. At, at this at this point, trying to trying to lock down who owns what is impossible right. in anything because yeah. everybody's owned by one of like four parent companies right. anyway. Um, but uh, maybe the Akads and Trankus um, still own like the primary rights to Halloween. Yeah. Um, regardless of who else is, you know, producing alongside them. Yeah. Um, whereas the prophecy, to, to go back to that, like, for such a big movie, it's kind of lost now. It's not lost as in hard to find, but like, there's not a Scream Factory release of it. There's not. Not yet. You know, there's. It's it's strange because for such a movie with a lot of cachet, like the fact that you can only get it on Blu-ray as like a, a multi-pack of yeah. dubious quality is, is kind of weird. It's true. Not yet, anyway. I'm sure eventually. Right. Eventually. But yeah, right. I mean, if they're if they're able to do like the blood on Satan's claw for Scream right. Factory, then I'm sure Prophecy will eventually get picked up. Right. But, um. But yeah, I mean, like, I, I, and I guess that would be kind of like my final thoughts on the subject, which is sort of like. Again, like I said, this is very much an actor's film. It's, right. uh, it's a lot of character actors doing a lot of character actor stuff. Um, and it works because of that. Those character actors are able to make you believe uh, a lot that this movie is a lot heavier than it is. Uh, they're bringing a lot of weight to, uh, to what is actually a fairly lightweight uh, film. Um, there's not a lot of action. There's not a lot, uh, even though even the philosophy is very minor. Um, you know, it's, it's, it wants to make, uh, high, high, it's like high, uh, high concept, low content. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, like, even then it's like, well, they, 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 they throw out some lofty ideas about good and evil and, mm. and, uh, and in the thin line between those two concepts, but mostly it's just Christopher Walken being Walken, right. you know, um, you know, the talking monkey, uh, right. you know, like he, it's, it's mostly a showcase for a bunch of actors to kind of just sink their teeth into some weird performance choices. Right. Um, or, or just kind of get lost in the shuffle, like poor Vincent Madsen uh, or Elias Cotius who really have very little to do. Um, <clears throat> but, oh, before we sign off, we meant mm -hmm. to talk about it. Um, there are two of my favorite scenes there because they're totally cliche. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got the salty old cop, right? Talking to Elias Cotius a bit, you know, like, you know, and uh, and having that um, very cliche, like, you know, he's even going to retire in two years to Arizona, uh, you know, but he has that whole thing of like, you know, there's things that like a fancy detective like yourself would call signs of a struggle and he opens right. the door there's like blood everywhere and he's like you know uh it, but i loved it because it's such a cliche and then we right. have joseph the coroner who the mm. only thing he's missing is a donut in his hand right uh with his like you know mirthful conversation about dead bodies at um, the morgue with a sign on the door that says you know freezers are for corpses not beer yeah uh and they, like and the great line of uh there's a guy uh, a guy moving a gurney and he yells hey slow down everybody's dead um right. you know it's uh, <laughs> you know, uh but he has these points and that character 
goes on to be in both in two and three, right? To give exposition, um, of all characters, that guy yeah. is the one who gets brought back. It didn't they didn't he start getting played a little bit more like like I don't want to say played a little bit more because he's still the same character, mm. but like to the point where like um, he was kind of the guy that like knew what was up, but like nobody believed him. Like I think they so. thought he was a conspiracy guy or something because I, he thought that there were angels and shit, you know. I think so. I think by the third one, he has like one scene where he kind of is like kind of implicate it kind of implies that people think he's a little bit of a nut. Right. Um, but he's still the coroner. Um but yeah, I mean, like that's basically he, he gives exposition to be like, here's what happened in the previous film, and that's his only role. Right in two and three is to tell the new protagonist what happened yeah. in the last movie, and right. um, as far as he knows, you know, like where, uh, and I think he might be like, I think maybe in the second one he has some piece of, uh, some phlebotanum that right. he like gives to the main character that like Elias Cotius gave him, who is right. Elias Cotius's character actually does appear in the beginning of part two. He's played by a different actor. And has no lines. He just gets no. killed. Uh, I think Gabriel shows up and rips his head off or something. But um, <laughs> if they do like the uh, triple X too, where they shoot uh, Vin Diesel in the head in the beginning. And yeah, or um, Mortal Kombat uh, uh, right. Annihilation, where Johnny Cage just gets his neck broken in the first. <laughs> right. He's played by a, some stunt double. Uh, <laughs> like he was like always the, a classy move. Yeah, always like, a classy he's move. Like the the like the other main character of the first movie and then the second movie. Right. His neck snapped yeah um but uh but yeah i mean like yeah that character does get used again and it's very right. uh but anyway but they're both wonderful scenes that should be that are from a different movie right and they're totally cliches 100 percent cliches the salty old cop and the mouthy coroner right um and yeah because they're just living their lives their normal lives in a police procedural i mean yes yeah everything else is coming around here being yeah. weird yeah yeah and they 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 just uh and they're just exempt much like adam goldberg they exist only for the other main character to right. talk to them yeah about what's going on um they have no because you, purpose. because you still can't have a movie where the those characters just stop and explain the film to the audience there needs to be somebody they're talking to yeah there has to be some asshole who's no idea what's going right. on yeah um, and they have no other bearing on the plot or story. Right. Um, uh, but I, I mean, I absolutely love the salty old cop scene because it's oh, yeah. yeah. kind of being like, you know, with them uh, just write textbook uh, 90s uh, action movie. You know, he's just this kind of <laughs> salty old cop. He's just so blase about it, too. Like. <laughs> yeah. He just, this is something that like you know grizzled veterans don't even see you know yeah um as far as i mean this the scene itself might not be gorier than anything he's ever seen but like the there were witnesses to this thing there were you know there yeah. you know, the things that like, happened were not what is he a jumper like well right. uh, yeah unless he decided not to bother opening the window first you know like, <laughs> right. it's uh you know and i'm like wait so like why is there like an old boston cop in los angeles but okay like you know what you know why not? um but yeah he's right out of a different movie um you know and and like i said the only thing missing is the is for the coroner character is a donut in his head 
The yeah, only cliche Gus they don't go to is that he has no donut in his hand. And I'm like, where's his donut? You know, other than that, it's exactly which that. is good because he's not disrespectful to the dead. I mean, he's, you know, he's he's flippant, yeah. but he's not. Here's one for you. Uh, oh, he has no peas of hermaphrodite. Oh, <laughs> right. uh, you know, it's uh, <laughs> you know, I'm saying he never had any eyes, right? Know. Yeah, well, what think of the possibilities? Well, yeah, he could be <laughs> infinite and frigid at the same, at the same time, you know, he's uh. Oh, he's given a lot of good work to do there in those couple of minutes. Yeah, yeah and yeah, he's he's you know they they're both characters from a different film, and it's wonderful. Right, but I wanted to make sure we got to that, so we weren't sorry, Dar- uh, sorry, Daryl Hannaing those roles because right. they are uh, they're really great. But that's sort of my final thought on this movie: is that it's mostly character actors, um, hamming it up, and right. you totally buy it, and it's really it's really effective. They make you. They totally get you involved in this in this otherwise lightweight and ludicrous story that you actually buy it right. and you're totally on board the whole ride through uh, to the point where, like I said, literally Viggo Mortensen, actually, you are about to slip away and Viggo Mortensen says, no, 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 come back, back. <laughs> right. One um, minute. Here I am to here I am to kind of be weird and eat a right. flower and make odd threats about mom's poop you know it's it's a very weird performance but it's it is that it's that thing that's needed to bring everybody back to the film because everybody's about to check out um but yeah i mean it's 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 such a great collection of of actors being allowed to kind of just go nuts with with their work and uh, and it works walking is great in this movie Viggo Mortensen is great in this movie. Eric Stoltz is great in this movie. Yep. Um, but yeah, I don't know what your final thoughts are. I mean, watching this again for the first time in probably five or ten years, like, makes me want to watch at least like the next two again um, to see more walking. It makes me want to go back and watch Highlander again because, like, <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't not make the comparison because it's it's an equally ludicrous concept mm-hmm. that's played in a matter like such a matter of fact manner with a lot of good performances little quirks to it that make it believable yeah. i kind of want to watch watch that again too because this guy probably should have i i don't want to talk about it in the past tense because i think he's still alive but like he probably should have gotten more work than what he has gotten the the writer and director of this mm-hmm. um because I think it's a it's a fairly solid you know, right up the middle kind of movie. It's yeah, it's not great. It's not terrible. It's just pretty solid. So check it out. Yeah, I mean, don't I? I would. Oh, I would. I lost I would, you. Shit. Okay. I would. Uh, I would recommend you not um, not watch three, but <laughs> especially if you're well, watching I, for walking, he he's. I might even walking. go and watch four and five again just because I don't remember them at all. But. Uh, I wouldn't recommend that either. But yeah, the, uh, but <laughs> if you're not, watching, not. if you're watching for walking, don't uh, don't go past two. But right. uh, you know, he's he's in three, but uh, he's in three like uh, he was in Pulp Fiction, right? You know, like he's he's not in it much. He has very little to do. Um, but yeah, they do bring him back and they put him in like a Hawaiian shirt, you know. <laughs> and, uh, Why you know, the fuck not? And an Edgar Winter wig, and uh, you know he's he's just kind of there. But thank you very much for listening, as always. Um, we very much appreciate it. 
Um, I wanted, uh, did want to mention, uh, I should have mentioned this at the top of the show, that um, uh, the big news right now, of course, is um, what's going on in, with Russia and, right. um, and, and Ukraine. Uh, but I don't want anybody to lose sight of a very, very important issue. And that's something I wanted to mention at the top of the show, but I'm mentioning it now, um, which is uh, what's going on in Texas with trans. Yeah. Uh, what's going on with trans uh, trans teenagers. Um, you can uh, donate. Uh, there is a, uh, a charity fund. Uh, I think it's called TX Trans. Uh, you can find it on Twitter. Um, and uh, I haven't been able to donate yet, but I will be. Uh, but if you are able to, I encourage you to do so. Um, that's a very real fight happening in our country right now uh, with uh, some people, with for people that really deserve better. And um, it's very something that I'm very passionate about. I think Sam's probably right there with me on it. And I want to make yeah. sure that uh, that you are aware of that charity. Uh, I think it's just called Tex TX Trans or Texas Trans. Um, you can find it online and uh, please donate there. They are trying to fight back against um, uh, laws that are making it okay for child protective services to pull trans uh, minors under 18 uh, away from their parents um, uh, on grounds of child abuse. And it is, uh, it's evil. Or the, for, the, for the crime of, you know, supporting their, children. their child's gender, yeah. Exactly. Uh, it's very evil, um, but mm -hmm. I want you, so I wanted to make sure that we made that clear. Um, I probably will mention at the top of the next show again. Mm -hmm. I meant to do it at the top of this show. Please do, um, yes. Yeah, but, um, but yeah, I want to make sure that uh, everybody knows that we, we, we stand with transgender people and, um, right. and uh, we encourage you to help fight back against that very real injustice. And, and even if you can't, you know, donate, speak out, talk to people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, signal boost um yep. one of the things i like to do when i get frustrated with twitter is i'll i'll find people who are either trans or are going through um recovery from alcohol and child abuse or alcohol and drug abuse and you know you just find these random tweets where they're like you know hey uh, you know i just got my confirmation surgery or i don't want to put love these together but or or hey i'm glad you're sober and like when I get frustrated with Twitter, I go and I find those things and I just go to a complete stranger and just be like, good job. Yeah. Or, you know, I'm happy for you. Fuck yes. I go you out know? of my way to follow other people. Right. Twitter so, um, for other reason than to just. Regardless of how much time you have, how much money you have, there's, my point is you can always do something small even. Yeah. For someone else. Yeah. Um, and we'll so make a, we'll make do. a. We'll make a point of that to, to open yeah. up our next show with that too. Um, I'll make sure I make a note of that. But, um, but other than that, um, I will uh, say again, thank you for listening. Um, and uh, love yourself, love your fellow horror fans. Um, as Sam puts it, be kind. It's very important. Um, mm -hmm. and, um, and so thank you very much. Good night and namaste. Oh,